Welcome back, or if it's your first time, I'm glad to have you here. I'm Matt Fendora, and you're tuned in to the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, where we journey together toward becoming the best version of ourselves. Using mind, body, heart, and spirit as the anchors of our podcast, join me as we set sail into the depths of self-discovery, unraveling the interconnected layers that shape our growth. If you resonate with today's conversation, consider subscribing to the podcast. Your support means the world to us and ensures you never miss an empowering episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, the podcast all about being the best version of yourself through mind, body, heart, and spirit. Today, I am here with China Presley. China Presley is a self-proclaimed multi-potentialite or jack-of-all-trades. She has spent nearly two decades serving Northeast Indiana in a variety of roles, using her bachelor's in social work and her master's in organizational leadership and her insatiable thirst for knowledge, context, and application, China strives to affect positive and lasting change in people and community systems. In addition to her nonprofit work, she recently tried her hand at entrepreneurialism, launching two businesses in the last three years. At Meso Management Solutions, China coaches other leaders and facilitates group cohesiveness sessions for organizations. In her latest in her latest venture or adventure, she launched a lifestyle brand with her ten year old daughter, with plans to expand services in the next six to nine months. At home, China enjoys spending time with her beautiful, witty child and her embarrassing number of house of house plants. Some of China's proudest accomplishments include, in 2021, being selected for Greater Fort Wayne Business Weekly's 40 Under 40, in October of 2021, establishing her leadership leadership development business, Meso Management Solutions, through which she's been able to help leaders in various sectors grow their personal development or that of their teams, and in October of 2023, she became a published author. She released a vision journal called Manifest Quest, which is phenomenal, by the way. What makes China's heart sing? Anything that deals with people finding healing from their past pains and walking forward with purpose. She's a sucker for teamwork and overcoming obstacles. You could draw a random word out of a hat, and she'd probably find a way to talk about it. Without further ado, here's China. How are you doing today, China? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. Um there's so many different topics that I've heard you talk about and that you just have in your bag, just like you said, you can find a random word and you have the ability to talk about it. Um, but I want to start off with talking about you and how you got your start. So out of the last two decades, you said that you've had so many different roles. Which role do you think was the most impactful and why? Yeah, I think I've I think I've taken something from every single role, you know, to help develop me and and carry it on into the next one. I don't ever want to walk into a problem that has been resolved and then have to walk through it all over again. So I don't know. I think every single position that I've ever held has shaped me in, in a great way. But I would say that moving to Fort Wayne and taking a job with the YWCA my first job here in Fort Wayne, doing public speaking, public public educating, that was probably my my start. What probably shaped me the most, um, it helped me find my voice and it helped me find my presence as a speaker. So after you did that, then what did that lead to? Oh, you want the whole list, or <laughs> sure, why not? 
so um so before that i was actually a case manager for foster care case management um, in wabash then moved up here to fort wayne did some public education in the schools and in various uh, adult groups and at that point i was talking about domestic violence and um, healthy and unhealthy relationships we were building programs to help teens understand at that time it was like cyberbullying and sexting were the the new phrase words that were in the news and so um, we started to develop programming around that as a introduction to how relationships can become unhealthy with bad communication and um, or lack of communication things of that nature so moving from doing some of those sessions and even doing some for youth workers Moving from doing that type of work, I ended up taking on a part-time gig with Youth for Christ, and I started a an after-school program called Girl Talk. So I did that with two schools, Kikiyanga Middle School and Miami Middle School. And man, the second year of that was just phenomenal. I had a great team of volunteers and I mean, we just rocked it. It was it was wonderful. The girls that were involved in the program, I still run into some of them today. They're all adults now. And man, it's just, it's really good to see. I don't know, you didn't ask me about all of that, but it's really it was really cool to see how you could develop young people mm-hmm. um, just by allowing that, allowing yourself to be utilized, you know? Um, so I was doing that part-time while I was still working full-time at the YWCA. And then uh, after about a year of doing that dual dual roles, ended up going full-time with YFC and became the director of women's ministries and volunteer services. Only did that for about a year because I had a baby and, you know, YFC and I, we kind of had different directions we were going and so split ways, stayed home with my daughter for about 10 months until I realized this child doesn't even speak English yet. I can still see us butting heads if I stay home. So <laughs> I think it's time for me to go back and work behind a desk. <laughs> so I, I thought it was best for both of us. So I found a job with SCAN and was the was a healthy families um, supervisor. And so I had a, a team of phenomenal home visitors that went into homes to serve families that had just had a baby or when they maybe they were pregnant and expecting a baby, but then we followed them um, all through the first three years of that child's life. And so uh, got to supervise a really cool team, a couple of teams um, through that. That helped shape me and, and I can't even remember where did I go next? Oh, Vincent Village went to Vincent Village and I was the director of programming uh, over there for a little while. Um, You know, career and personal life kind of enmesh themselves sometimes. So uh, in full transparency, I was uh, at the beginning of a divorce when Vincent Village. And that combination of the stress of life and the stress of work was just not great for me and ended up trying to find something that was going to lighten my my burdens a little bit more 
Um, so I ended up going to Volunteers of America and I was the program director over there. Volunteers of America, we have two locations here in Fort Wayne. There's the, the location that I was with was on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it was called Liberty Landing and it's on Calhoun Street. And so they work with uh, veterans who are transitioning out of homelessness. So I did that for about 10 months when I was uh, brought an opportunity that at the time had been a dream of mine. I had always for about 11 years had wanted to work for a university and to be over a scholarship program for minority youth. Mm. Um, and Huntington University just so happened to also be my alma mater, but they had an, uh, an opening coming up and um, yeah, it was just, it was the perfect timing, perfect opportunity. I had no reason to leave Volunteers of America, loved that role, but I also recognized that I couldn't do that role as a single parent. Because mm. um, there were many times where I had to go, you know, back in and work for somebody's shift at 11 o'clock at night and because I couldn't find somebody to fill their shift. So there's no way that I could have gotten those phone calls in the middle of the night as a single mother. So I had to make a, a tough decision and, and go for something that had also been a dream of mine, but also seems like it's the right move as a newly single parent. And after that, um, so I was only there for two years when I felt like God told me it's time to leave. And since then, I have kind of been all over the place. <laughs> I have no true plan in place. And, and that's kind of what's led to me being where I am right now. I'm part-time with the radio station, Start 88.3. I, a couple of businesses. So working on developing the, uh, the brand a little bit. And I don't know, I'm doing some more group facilitation work and public speaking, the things that I just enjoy doing. So I think that's the whole list, I think. You start in meso management solutions. What is that? It's a leadership development that I do. So initially, so the name meso uh, man, meso management solutions. It's supposed to be so meso means middle, and so initially I started meso management as a way to help develop leaders who are middle managers in social work nonprofits. Um, one of the things that I noticed about myself and my peers and my colleagues is that a lot of times we would go to social work conferences and there's a ton of information for frontline staff and there's a ton of information for the administrators, but there's very little beefiness to the information you're receiving to sharpen your skills if you're at that middle management point which leaves you feeling pretty dry as a leader. You really need something to sharpen your skills so that you can continue to help your frontline staff. Um, and then, you know, recognizing that some of us just don't want to climb the scale. We're, we're just not ladder climbers. Some mm -hmm. of us are very happy being in middle management and yeah. what is there for us? And so because I couldn't find anything, I decided to develop it in in hopes that I could help anybody else who was seeking what I was seeking. So I do a lot of research on my own, trying to find, you know, some of the best ways to develop people. I think one of my strengths is to uh, work with people on an individual basis 
So what works for one person is not going to work for the next. So I have to take time to learn you and understand not just what your goals are in leadership, but who you are as a, as a human being and how you relate to other people. And so I can help kind of develop those and enhance the skills that you already have by taking time to get to know you a little bit better and, and understanding your vision for yourself as a leader. Um, but the, the really fun part is when I get to work with groups and they might get a grant to be able to help their, their staff do a, a day retreat or something like that. And so I'll come in and um, facilitate a, a number of games, activities, things of that nature, but they're not the cheesy icebreaker games and things like that. They're, they actually have meaning to them. They have purpose. So it helps you figure out, oh, there's a reason for why we were doing it this way. Or now I understand my colleagues a little bit better when I see that they were operating this way. So I use different personality tests, things like that to uh, help people understand each other better and, and hopefully uh, become more cohesive as a team. I love that because I've noticed that too, when I talk to people, there are people who it's surprising to me, like, like I'm happy where I'm at. I don't need to continue, you know, creating this huge business or anything like that. Like, this is where I'm at. This is, I'm comfortable with this. I'm happy with this. I don't need it to go any higher than it already is. So I could see the value and importance of the business that you have with Mezzo, um, the Mezzo Management Solutions. One of the topics I kind of wanted to kind of briefly discuss is one of the things that kind of introduced you to me, which was your talk of um, restorative rest. So could you go into a little bit of what restorative rest is and why that was something that you were passionate about and that you were researching? Restorative rest, yeah. So leaving a job with no plan in place you realize that um, you probably need it more than you re you thought you did. And what I mean by that is I am, I hate to say this, but I'm, I'm a person who's very hypervigilant, um, very active. As much as I want to be uh, slower going and, you know, like I think inside, my everything inside of me is go, 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 go. But my brain is always like, no, slow, 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 slow. And so I have to figure out a way to marry the two because clearly I'm craving something that my, I'm not getting. And so I had to start looking into why is it that when I do all of the things that people encourage me to do to rest, I don't feel rested. It doesn't make sense. If I take it, and I've told people this for, for years, they'll say, go take a 20 minute nap. It's a power nap or a 10 minute nap. When I wake up from a short nap, I do not feel energized. Mm -hmm. I feel exhausted. Mm -hmm. And part of that might be, um, so I was also diagnosed with a sleep disorder two, two years ago, three, maybe three, two, three years ago. And for a while that defined me. Now coming out of this, um, you know, kind of lethargic space, I'm realizing that I don't really have a sleep disorder. But in that time that I thought I did, I was so exhausted, I had to find something that was going to help me feel restored. I'm realizing now uh, in my research that 
what I'm feeling, this, this lethargy is really just the effects of coming out of trauma and living in, in a traumatic uh, lifestyle for what, <laughs> for me, it was traumatic because uh, it was a very, I had a very stressful marriage. I grew up in a household where we were on the go 24 seven, um, involved in a lot of things, always felt like I had to be, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. And, you know, so I always felt like I had to be on top. I always had to perform in, in, in a way that made other people happy. And I, I put myself on the back burner for, from the majority of my life. And it's not because somebody told me I had to, it was just what I thought I had to do. So the re what led to restorative rest was I got to do something. I am exhausted and I don't think I can continue to live at this pace if I don't figure something out. And so that's how I, you know, through research was finding that there are seven different types of rest. Don't ask me all seven of them right now, but there are seven different types of rest um, you know, that it makes sense why for me laying down and taking a, a short nap in the middle of the day is not going to energize me, but you give me a different type of project I can work on. And suddenly after an hour of working on a project that's different from what I have to do for my, my work, for my job, I feel like, you know, like I could rule the world all of a sudden, you know? I guess I can just wrap it up because I'll talk forever on that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I get a boost of energy when I go work on something other than what my, my work is. So we know that for some people rest, it comes in the form of more sleep. Um, and, and that's true for me as well, but restorative rest takes a bit of concerted effort for me to figure out what is actually going to energize me not just uh, relieve me in this moment. So I don't, I'm not looking for escape, mm -hmm. right? I, and that, I think that's what we get stuck in is that we're constantly looking for escape and we yeah. think that escape is going to give us rest, which is why we find ourselves doom scrolling on our phones and yeah. you know doing the things that don't actually, they just take us away from our work, but they don't actually restore us when we get, and so that we can get back into our work. Mm -hmm. So- you know, uh, what I'm, what I'm re recognizing is that I have to find things that are, are truly going to restore me, not just help me escape. Yeah. You, we get those, those high level stress situations. You're like your body saying, I don't like the stress situation here. Here's something else. Oh, here's, you know, when you go to your, your doom scrolling, you're like, Oh, let me get this dopamine fix real quick. And that'll just, then I can just ignore all the stress that I just had until you're done. And you realize, oh man, I didn't do anything to this. And then it's just, it's just the cycle of, Hey, here's all the stress. Here's your dopamine. Here's your escape back and forth, back and forth until it's bedtime. And you're like, I didn't do anything today. And then you start it all over again the very next day. Exactly. Or you stay up way too late after a really long, hard day mm -hmm. because you can't get your face off of your screen, you mm -hmm. know? done it one too many times <laughs> <laughs> um so the next thing i wanted to talk about um is your new passion which was your manifest quest journal that you did so what inspired you to create the manifest quest vision journal so honestly i i had no plans to create it for other people um 
I mentioned earlier that I was going through a divorce and toward the tail end of my divorce in 2019, um, I should also preface this with my faith means a lot to me. And so I will probably sound uber spiritual and that's not the point of any of this. Um, yes, I was raised in a Christian background, but it took me some time to figure out my direction in this life. So a lot of what I say is going to sound very aligned with Christianity because that's still what my foundation is. Mm -hmm. um, so when I say um, I felt like God was telling me to do something, I mean, that's that's how I rule my life. When I, when I get this prompt and I feel like I'm supposed to do something, I acknowledge that as a higher being. And so uh, I, toward the tail end of my divorce, 2019, I kept getting this prompt to write out all of the dreams and the visions and the goals that I had lost sight of since getting married. And at that point I had been married for uh, about eight, nine years. By the time I was divorced, I was had been married for nine years. So you talk about nine years of loss, essentially all of these dreams and these goals and, and these, these visions and to prompt me to write them all out on a sheet of paper. I was like, heck, no, that feels like all of my, all of my failures on one sheet of paper. I'm not yeah. doing that. I probably cussed too. I was like, yeah, <laughs> there's no way. And so I kept pushing that away, kept ignoring it for a couple of months. And finally, toward the end of the year, I just, I couldn't deny it anymore. I, I just kept feeling like I'm, I'm supposed to do this. So I sat down with a, a sketchbook because I don't like the lines. I don't like to be defined by the lines that mm -hmm. like, kind of scare me a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I took a, a sketchbook and before I knew it, I was writing a few scriptures uh, that were kind of guiding me in this. Um, there's a prophet in the Old Testament named Habakkuk. And in the first, uh, the first chapter of that book, he is going off on God because he says, God, you gave me a vision for what your people are supposed to be doing. And I believed you, but do you see what these people are doing? Like, he was so frustrated. He was like, this is not what you told me was going to happen. And so then he asked in the second chapter, at the very beginning of the book, he says, uh, what should I do while I wait for this vision to, to happen? And God replies, write the vision and make it plain. Write it on tablets so that whomever reads it will run with it. And though it may feel like it's not going to happen right away, it will happen at the appointed time. And that just, I mean, there's other scriptures in the Bible that talk about asking and receiving and God giving you the desires of your heart and, you know, trust him and acknowledge who God is and, and he'll direct your path. And so taking kind of all of those scriptures and putting them together it's kind of what created manifest quest. It was this idea that there are dreams and visions and goals that I believe that God plants deep in our hearts because we all have free will. And so he wants certain things for us, but he can't make them happen for us unless we surrender to it. And so writing this down, writing this, this surrender down, like saying, Hey, this isn't just a wish list. This is something that's deeply embedded in me. And I'm going to acknowledge that, right? That's what I mean by surrender. Like I'm, I'm going to give up this idea that I'm just, it's just wishful thinking. It's just this hope that's out there and 
maybe one day it'll come to me. No, I'm I'm going to surrender to this this feeling that I have, just like I had surrendered to the prompting that I had. And manifest simply means to bring to fruition. And quest was like that action part for me. It, I don't want to just put this whimsical idea out on paper and be like, okay, well, if it happens, it happens. That's how I've been living my life. But this quest means that now that it's on paper, it's real. And I need to start doing things to try to get toward that goal, toward toward those dreams. Um, yeah, it's no longer just a, a dream. Now it's a, it's a real thing that I'm putting out there and I'm saying, I want to see this happen. And I believe it will. And so uh, some of the things that I wrote, one of the things, one of the things that I wrote, again, this is New Year's Eve 2019 going into 2020. I said I wanted to be the director of a scholarship program for minority youth at a university. Eight months later, I get the job at Huntington University. Only a few months short after that, I'm sorry, a few months after I wrote that was when I started the interview process. <laughs> so um, another one that I, the reason why I say I'm, I'm proud of this, I, I didn't tell anybody that I wanted this because it's not my MO to want uh, acknowledgement for the things that I do. But for some reason, 40 under 40 would not leave me. So I wrote in very small letters, 40 under 40, because I was still kind of embarrassed that I wanted that. Yeah. The following year, I'm put into the class of 40 under 40. And so for me, that was just, uh, for me, that was a, a confirmation that these dreams were not just mine, but they really were planted. And it was God showing me, China, I really do want to bring these things to fruition. I'm, and, I'm, and the way that I'm going to show you is that I'm going to give you some things that you didn't think you even wanted and watch me work, right? Well, mm -hmm. I, and, and, and these are not people that even, nobody knew. Nobody knew these things. But now I'm crossing stuff off left and right. And this stuff is just, it's starting to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And then there, uh, so I was talking to a friend of mine who had, was walking through life with me while I was going through some of those tough years. And she, uh, she knew about my manifest quest. And every time something amazing would happen in my life, she'd go, did you write that in your manifest quest? And I'd go back, I'd be like, I don't know. So I'd go back and I'd look at it. Like, I sure did. She's like, oh my gosh, China, that is amazing. So she tells her family about it. Mm -hmm. And her daughter, who was in law school at the time, she said, uh, China, my, my generation is eating up manifestation right now. But I feel like we don't really understand what it is. If you were to write out a guided manifest quest, I bet you that would just... I think, I think we would just eat that up. I think it would blow up. I looked at her and I said, how much do you want for that idea? She said, I don't want anything. I just want a copy if you will just do it. And so last year is when I started writing it. I, and I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot, you know? And um, I, I wrote it and kind of left it on my computer. I had some editing I needed to do to it and needed to figure out, you know, how do you self-publish? And there's just a lot of research that goes behind publishing the book. And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll get it done at some point. But right now I need to focus on making money. I need to focus on, you know, my career and blah, blah, blah. 
And then here comes those promptings from God again. Um, so a couple months ago, I just felt like very stuck and was trying to understand why I couldn't find a job because finding a job is not hard for me. Um, but why I wasn't getting interviews and why it felt wrong for me to go back into social work. Um, I literally felt like I was going to throw up every time I went to apply for a social work job. Uh, and I felt like God was telling me, China told you to start some things a year ago and you started them, but you never completed them. Mm. And there are some things I told you to ask me for that I want to give to you, but you keep trying to walk backwards while I'm trying to take everything, strip you of everything you've known before so that I can prepare you to walk you into the unknown. And, you know, I, I told you to write that book and you wrote it, but you didn't do anything with it. I can't advance you until you complete some things. So I just went ahead and <laughs> got it done. Um, so that's, that's the story. It started off as something for myself, mm. but my friends, uh, my friends just encouraged me to make it available for other people. And that's what I did. So after you write these things down in the journal, how often do you go back and look at them? Or and then on top of that, how often do you write things down? Yeah. You mean per me personally, or what do I suggest? Either or. Okay. Um, so me personally, I visit this thing probably once a month, once every other month or so. Um, not just to write things down, but sometimes to write out the story of how things are coming to fruition and to remind myself of some of the things I've asked for, because sometimes I have to revise them. Mm. So I, I'm a firm believer that we are, as a, as a human race, we are all big dreamers in some way, shape or form. And when I talked about that surrender earlier, I think that our dreams as big as they are, are nowhere near as large as what God has for us. And so it's almost like uh, when you watch a painter, I love some of the, the digital artists that I've seen online recently where they will, um, they'll do a drawing and then they'll scroll out and it's a part oh. of another drawing and then yeah. they scroll out and it's a part. And like you realize at the very end of it that you started off by seeing what was in the pupil of a character in this huge picture, right? Yeah. But then the detail is so intricate. And so I, I think of our lives like that. There are these mm. visions that we think are so large that sometimes we can't even comprehend it, but it's just the pupil of the entire painting that God is trying to do with us. And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's, I, I go back sometimes because I realized that I had an idea of what the vision was, but as time has gone on and other things have come to fruition, I'm realizing that that vision, what I didn't dream big enough, or uh, I had a very, I tried to, in my very finite mind to understand what that was, but it was actually something else. So um, an, an idea that I've had re, uh, over the course of the last, I don't know, seven or eight months I, I i don't really want to speak about it here but i i will explain that it has expanded itself so i wrote it down as as one thing and then having this time 
where I couldn't figure out how to make it happen. And I'm realizing I couldn't figure out how to make it happen because the, the vision hadn't been expanded yet. Mm. I didn't understand everything that I was supposed to accomplish with this. So that's why there was time in between when it when I wrote it down and when it when it's going to happen. So sometimes I have to go back and revise. Um, and then sometimes you have life situations that happen and you have to go back and revise. So there were some things that I wrote in there and I wrote the date in which I wanted them to happen. But then I we ran into the pandemic. Mm. And so it's not it's not realistic to ask for something that, you know, everything's shut down. I, you can't make those things happen. So yeah. I have to be, I have to give myself some grace in that, you know, and I had to go back and, and re- scratch out the dates on there and maybe uh, recognize that some of these things didn't need a date. I just needed to write them um, so that it would prompt me to, to keep working towards something. So I visit probably once a month, once a, uh, every other month or so. But it's not even just to write that stuff down. But like I said before, you have to write out the story too. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind that when these things come to fruition, there's a story that's being written. There's a there's a picture that's being painted. And so these things are not all one-offs. Sometimes they're connected. And so I need to go back and acknowledge that this has come to fruition. And I need to also tell the story of how that happened and, and how the things transpired so I don't lose sight you know as I'm going along because if we don't keep track we don't keep reporting then it's going to feel like everything's a one-off it's going to feel like things aren't happening you know so it's just a reminder that there's this energy is is forming this this truck is going you know like this mm-hmm. train isn't stopping as much as it feels like it is because I'm hyper focused on one thing and I don't realize or acknowledge all the other things that are, are going on. Mm-hmm. I can, I can speak to that in, in my own journey because when I was a kid, I was 18. I knew one thing I wanted was I wanted to own my own business. I wanted to have something that I could hand down to my kids one day. I was 18 thinking this, and there were a couple of different things that I was thinking about. And one was the idea of this cafe slash bookstore that had a theater attached to it where people could just go hang out, learn, grow. Like the in the theater, there'd be like movies playing, like old movies you could go in for free, but there was it was theme-oriented. So there was a, a message that you would get from it. And that grew into, do you know what? I want to be a motivational speaker. Like it was the height, it was the height of Eric Thomas. Like that was my role model. I'm like, man, I want to be like Eric Thomas, like TGIM, thank God it's Monday. Like that's awesome. And then it turned into well, I want to write too, because I used to write as a kid. So let me kind of balance this out of, hey, speaking and which I never really did, but I kind of put myself in positions to speak. And then I started writing a lot more. That's like, what if this is my business? Like, what if, what if I could put these two things together and make a business out of it? And then that grew even more because then I learned of Tony Robbins and what he did as a life coach. And I was like, that is the message. Like that is the impact that I want is that connection. And so that continued to grow, but I didn't know how. And so I kind of was able to hone in on what it was I wanted to teach. And then it became, well, how am I going to get that message out there? You know, because I enjoyed writing, but I felt pressured to write. And so I was kind of losing my passion for writing because I felt so much, pre- I was putting so much pressure on myself to produce. And then 
I started thinking about podcasting because then my next role model became Lewis Howes. And if you don't know who Lewis Howes is, he's uh, the podcast host for the School of Greatness, which is my favorite podcast out there. And just his ability to get people on and just learn from them. And I'm like, I would love to do that. But it took me a year to actually sit down and be like, you know what, this is the time because I, there was always something else going on. And then, you know, like at one point I was like, you know what, I have time. I'm setting a date for sure. This is my date and I'm just going to push through this and I'm going to find a way to make that happen. And somehow I have made all of this happen. And every day I'm like, wow, I'm I'm just so blessed that I sit, sat down and set a time, a date and stuck to that. And it's manifested from, I want to own my own business. I want to be a motivational speaker. That vision, it was started off as the pupil. Mm -hmm. It's getting bigger and bigger and you're doing it. I remember you telling me a year ago that you wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to see. And I've been watching your little clips and stuff and, you know, as you're rocking it out, Matt, it's really cool. It's every, every day is like a new challenge, but it's so exciting because it's like okay well how am I going to do this this time like oh man this is it's here's this challenge you're like oh what am I going to do all right like let's figure this out let's let's forget this is a new challenge let's let's do it that's right um uh so now that you've finished creating the journal what's the next step for that for the journal itself or your business in general, because you also started at the same time your your business with your daughter. Yeah. So if you if you notice the um, the name on as the author on the journal is China Monet, which is my first and middle name, not my mm. first and last name. Um, the reason for that is because I actually had the idea for this business before I had the idea to write. The journal and I don't I wanted to create something so it, it comes in two parts I wanted to create something that embodies who I am or who I want to be in this life I want to encourage uplift and inspire right but I also recognize that that starts at home and I can't I think a, a pitfall of being a social worker is this idea that we are constantly serving our community, but sometimes we get we lose sight of our own home, our own household. And we feel this heavy burden to make sure everything's airtight at home so that we can go out and keep serving, keep serving. And when God took me out of social work, it helped me realize that I can't do it. I won't be able to be effective at my work developing the community if I don't develop my household first. And so with my daughter, uh, I'm just, I'm learning, as I'm learning more about myself, I'm learning about her as well. And one of the things that she loves to do is to draw. And, and it's not like a coloring thing, but she likes to draw. And she's just so, I like to say she thinks she's like the next Vincent Van Gogh and, and I'm not going to tell her any different. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I recognize that our public school education system is not designed anymore to create free thinkers. 
It's not designed to create entrepreneurs even. It's, it's designed to create workers in a capitalistic society. And mm-hmm. uh, in some ways, I feel as though it is dimming the brilliance in some of our youth. Mm-hmm. And I think my daughter, because she's gone through so much in the last, in her, you know, in the last few years in her young life, going through a divorce and moving and, you know, selling her childhood home and just, you know, there's just so much. Um, and, and she's gone to so many different schools because of the changes in her life. There was really no stability for a little while. And one of the things that started to suffer was her education. Not that she was doing poorly, but it's like her mind could not wrap around all of the different styles that she had to go through with Mm. different teachers. And, you know, she went from one school system, uh, or I should say she started school in the pandemic. And so that already was a horrible way to start, right? Mm -hmm. In kindergarten, when you first, you start your first semester in the school system, and then the second semester is on Zoom. What, I have no idea what the long-term effects of that are going to be on this mm-hmm. this generation, but it's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. So you go from that to her second grade. I'm sorry, first grade. She had a phenomenal teacher. Or I'm sorry, kindergarten, phenomenal teacher. First grade, uh, her teacher, if I'm getting this correct, yeah. First grade, her teacher got pregnant and only spent the first two weeks with them. So she had a whole bunch of substitute teachers throughout that school year. And then the teacher came back in the end of the school year and things got great, right? But that's a lot of transition to go through at such a young age and you're just now understanding. So what I'm recognizing was that she had she had she's brilliant and she has the high level of intelligence but the way that school is designed and what she's been through it's just not it's not the best environment for her learning but what started to elevate was her ability to express herself in her drawings mm-hmm. and so i said well what can i do to continue to find uh, help her find stability in this and and um continue to um, inspire her right well I started talking about starting a business and she started getting excited and we decided to start putting her drawings on uh, apparel and I don't know that just became the first the first piece of this the first component mm-hmm. when people started to respond and I said we're not ready to open the store yet but here's our our first you know we've made these shirts at home and People were asking for orders. They were trying to put in orders and we didn't have the capacity to fill these orders, but they didn't want the shirt because of her drawing. I mean, they didn't want the shirt because it was her or because it was me and they just wanted to support. They really liked her drawing. They mm-hmm. really liked what it looked like on a, on a shirt. And I was like, well, we might have, we might have something here, you know? So, I mean, I've, I dabble a little bit in graphic arts. And and so she takes her drawings. I bring, she brings them to me. I clean them up on the computer and then we put them on, on apparel. Um, so you ask what's next. Well, that's kind of how China Monet got developed. 
but there's so many branches that will come of China Monet in due time. So taking one of those branches is taking and expanding what I'm doing for my daughter and making it so that other parents can do that for their left brain children as well. And so there eventually there will be a subscription service uh, where parents can buy into having the retail space for their child. I, I will give you the play-by-play -play on how to help your child get a store set up, how to get their bank accounts and all of that you know, together and um, what the cost, counting the costs of starting a business like this uh, because it's not cheap and uh, there's, it takes a while before you will receive any kind of profit. And so you, this is a, a huge investment, you know, um, but it's also an investment in, in that child. And so there's a whole lot more coming with that service. It also will help parents learn how to teach their children money management and investment and things of that nature. Um, there's also, eventually I'll get started on releasing the blogs that I've been writing. So there are some blogs that are coming. Um, I I'm working on two more books. I have one that I'm, I'm writing about divorce, uh, healing after divorce. Mm. And the other one is a devotional. So um, more books are coming, uh, more writing, more speaking, um, more services, hopefully. Um, there's there's just a few more branches where I really want to can find ways to uplift, encourage, and inspire people through this brand. That's awesome. It sounds like you stay very busy. Everybody says that. I, I don't know that I stay busy. I think my brain is on overdrive all the time. So my brain is busy, but my body is not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I stay busy if I have to, but I also know how to pull back now. Um, and, I'm, and I'm also learning to lean into a life where I'm not hypervigilant all the time. And I'm not, mm. I'm trying to not worry so much about tomorrow. Um, that tomorrow will resolve itself, you know, and, and try to be present in today. And so I'm not as busy as people think I am. And part of the reason is because I learned also how to say no to invitations, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Very and, and important. Yeah. I mean, it's hard sometimes. I mean, um, recently there's somebody that reached out to me and asked, Hey, somebody gave me your name as somebody I should meet. And could we go sit down for coffee? I don't, I mean, in the past, I would have said yes, because, well, you know, you could meet anybody and it could turn into anything, right? Mm -hmm. But now, I mean, I received some really wise counsel from, um, and I don't even think she realizes she gave me this counsel, but from somebody in our community that I, I admire. And she told me one time, this is after she had reached out to me to schedule for a coffee invitation just to get to know each other. We've known of each other, but we don't know each other. Mm -hmm. So I sat down with her and she tells me in this meeting, she does not spend time with people she doesn't want to spend time with. She will not uh, do meetings just to do meetings. She doesn't spend her time in places she doesn't want to spend her time. And I thought, first of all, 
how incredibly humbling it is that somebody would tell me this after they invited me to come get coffee, right? Yeah. Um, but second, it taught me a lot about how am I spending my time, you know, and questioning myself. What am I prioritizing here? Why, why would I spend time sitting down for coffee with somebody I don't know when I don't even know what the purpose of that meeting would be? Um, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah. and so do I have the energy, the capacity to do that right now? No. And so I have to say no. Um, but I don't just say no. Try to give resources. If that person wanted, I think this person wanted to network wanted to connect with people in, in the area. And so I gave a couple of resources of places that I believe are really great networking resources. Um, so it's not just a, no, I'm not spending time with you or no, I'm not doing this or no, I'm not doing that, but it's learning how to prioritize me and my energy and my capacity in the moment. And maybe two months from now, I'll have the energy to do it. But right now, I just came off of hosting Thanksgiving. I don't have the energy. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the capacity to add somebody else to this plate in this moment. Yeah. So now that we're getting to near the end of the podcast, I have three final questions, which I ask all the guests. So the podcast is called Choose to Live, Love, and Grow. So I have one question for each one of those topics. So for the first question what advice can you share about how to create a life that leaves a positive impact on the world? Advice is a strong word here. Can you say that one more time? What advice can you share about how to create a life that leaves a positive impact on the world? Matt, I'd probably say authenticity. Mm. Um, leaning into being authentically and intentionally who you are. Um, and I don't mean that as an excuse for your actions, but I do mean it as, uh, let me take my, my friend Rob Key's uh, advice, not but, but and. <laughs> and I mean it as a, We, we can't, and this is a totally Brene Brown thing, but we cannot be fearful of vulnerability. Mm. Vulnerability hurts nobody. Yeah. The thing about vulnerability is that we're afraid that we are weapon, that somebody will weaponize the things that we share with them. Mm -hmm. Somebody could pick up anything that you give them and try and choose to weaponize it. But your setting boundaries is what determines whether or not that weapon is going to be activated. Yeah. So if I don't set boundaries for myself, if I'm, if I'm open, I'm vulnerable, I'm honest with who I am, what I'm struggling with, not just transparent because transparency is saying, um, like when I walk into the office, somebody might ask, how am I doing? How are you doing? And I could say, I'm tired and that's it. Right. I, I say, I'm tired. And that's being transparent. It's not being vulnerable. Being vulnerable is saying, uh, somebody says, how are you doing? And I say, I'm really tired. I've been struggling a lot lately with the stressors of trying to make enough money to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've really been uh, spending my nights just working my wheels, just trying to figure this out. And so, 
yeah, I'm not getting a lot of sleep lately because I'm really stressed out by, you know, money management stuff or whatever that might be, right? Now yeah. I'm vulnerable. And the thing about that is that is a scary place to be because I have now opened up and I've shared with you something that is troubling me. And you might choose to use that against me. I don't know what you're going to do, right? Yeah. You might go and take that information to somebody that I don't want to hear it. Uh, you might go in and decide that, and this isn't necessarily weaponizing, but you might decide to take it upon yourself to start sending me money. But I never asked you to send me money. And that makes me very uncomfortable when yeah. you're sending me random cash and I never, I didn't want that, right? Yeah. I was just trying to be honest and open with you. And so I have to set some boundaries. When I choose to be vulnerable, I have to set boundaries. But this being vulnerable allows you to walk in a very authentic space where you get to a place where you don't care what weapon somebody might pick up because it doesn't, it doesn't affect you anymore. And when you open up and you're vulnerable and you're walking through life very authentic, it then encourages others to feel like they're in a safe space to do the exact same thing. And the conversations that you will have will be in, they're just at another level. The, the, opportunities you have to connect with people it just elevates um, because you're living in authenticity a great answer um next question what are some practical ways people can cultivate self-love well the only way you can love something is to accept it right mm -hmm. so if i don't accept something it's usually because i don't love it <laughs> and vice versa so to cultivate self-love for me has been discovering, making myself not just a priority, but my favorite subject to research. So uh, I use recently, um, I, like everybody hears me talk about Enneagram. Enneagram is great, but human design has really changed my life. <laughs> and it can sound really whimsical and, and out there and, and it's, like anything else, you can either choose to use it or choose not to, you know? Um, but for me, it has it's helped me gain a better understanding of who I am. And once I understand something, I have a, it's, it's easier for me to accept it, which then leads to me being able to love it. Um, and I would say the same thing goes for how, at least this is how I am with people. You ever meet somebody where you're just like, Man, I just don't like that person. <laughs> I've done that before, you know, as, as most of us do with, as human beings, but then something happens where I learn something about that person and why they are the way that they are. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I can't dislike them anymore. You know, I, I, there's just something in me that now that I understand them, I love them and I may not care to be around them that much more, <laughs> but <laughs> Now that I understand them, I love them, and it's hard for me to dislike them. I have to apply that same energy to myself. Mm -hmm. We have to learn who we are, not just, uh, oh, I just do this because I do this. No, what is the reason why I've always done things this way? I need to understand myself, understand the things that I've been through and how they've impacted my life, um, and on figuring out where I want to go from there. But just self-love cultivates from understanding. 
And so if I make myself my favorite subject and I start studying myself, mm. I can't, you know, help but to fall in love, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like this, this answer is also the same for this last question, which I have. So the last okay. question is, what strategies or practices do you recommend for people looking to enhance their self-awareness or self-reflection? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. I would say anything that's going to help you discover yourself better. So I told you, for me, it started with the Enneagram, um, but after Enneagram, finding human design, it just, it's weird. I'm not going to lie. It's really weird, but it, 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 it was just too accurate for me to ignore. So I just think, you know, finding whatever tool helps you understand yourself better, what, whatever that might be for yourself, if it, if it works, you know, whatever's not broken, don't fix it. So how can people connect with you? So most of my social media platforms are at China Speaks. So uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and I guess you can call it X. I still call it Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think I'm, as, a, as an elder millennial, I'm starting to learn that I have to phase myself out of that. I don't think that that platform is, is as great as it used to be. Um, so at China Speaks, um, if they want to check out the China Monet brand, that is chinamonet.com, or you can go to China Monet brand on Instagram. Facebook, I've got one, but I don't really use it all that much. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just best to use Instagram or, oh, even uh, TikTok. I'm on there occasionally too. I think I'm very funny. So <laughs> uh, occasionally I'll make a video on there too. And my last question, how can people support you? Where can people buy your book at as well? So first of all, how you can support me is just to continue to do what you've already been doing. And I say this to anybody, you, to the community. I feel so loved in this community. And uh, every time I talk about something I'm about to do, I, I receive so much encouragement from people. And this is and not that I've had not that I've ever lacked that in my life, but it feels really good to be around people that are not your family, who who support you in your crazy ideas. And when you throw something out there, they don't doubt you. And that's exactly how I feel supported is you let me work my crazy thought process out. Let me, let me figure it out on my own time and in my own way. And it'll, it'll happen, you know, and just continue to encourage me to do that. But um, you know, other than that, just, uh, you said, where can I get the book on Amazon is where the link is, or they're in the trunk of my car. Uh, <laughs> but, um, as I've been told, I'm supposed to tell people to go to Amazon so that it bumps up the ratings or something like that. So you can go to Amazon and search manifest quest. It'll be the first one that pops up usually. Um, here's a, what it looks like. So um and i don't remember what else i was going to say so you can support me by purchasing my daughter's uh artwork on your on your shirts if you go to china monet you can see all the apparel you can also get the link to the book on on chinamonet.com as well um i've got some shirts up there too so 
send me your ideas, send me your, your suggestions. And I will definitely take those into account because I believe that you, you can't do anything on your own. You definitely need your community to help you uh, to thrive. And so, yeah, that's about it. Well, China, thank you for being on the podcast. I just want to show some acknowledgement towards you and appreciation for what you've done, just to, not just in the community, but for me, myself, you pretty much, you were instrumental in putting me on this path that I'm on right now. If you didn't meet me for coffee, you have no idea how nervous I was just asking you. And you were like, hey, you want to meet for coffee? Oh, I, I didn't know that was a thing, like, because I had just gotten out of the military. So everything was just new to me. And you just for whatever reason, when we sat down for coffee too, I just like told you everything and I, which I never do to anybody. So I just wanted to appreciate you and acknowledge you for doing that just for me as well. Thank you, Matt. And it, that, I remember that day very fondly. And honestly, you took the leap, you know, and that's what I'd say to anybody else. Is you took the leap and introduced yourself to me. And I think it, that that speaks to that intentionality and authenticity that I spoke about earlier. You open the door, you know, so you got to give yourself credit here too. that this path, this was a path you were already on. And it was just the alignment, right? It's mm -hmm. just the alignment, the right people, the right time. And I'm just so uh, thankful that you allowed me to be a part of that story. Well, that concludes our podcast. And Again, I just uh, thank you for being on this with me. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast. I look forward to seeing you next week. Don't forget to live, love, and grow to be the best version of you. Oh, and one more thing. If you or a young man that you know suffer from victim mindset or are not reaching their fullest potential, then visit mattfindora.com to see how we can work together to become the best version of ourselves. That's mattfindora.com. The link will be in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you and have an outstanding day. <laughs>